Hey guys, welcome to the Security Slopes podcast. We are coming to you from the Silicon Slopes in Utah. This is Megan. I'm here with my co-host, Jen. Hi, Jen. Hello, Megan. I'm so excited to be here today for our very first podcast. Me too. And I am excited because I get to interview you about many interesting topics in the security world, um, including things like HIPAA security. Which is one uh, of my favorite topics. I know. You are quite the expert. And <laughs> no. I thought this would be a good topic for today, um, especially in light of what's going on with the COVID-19 coronavirus. Yeah. It's really hitting the healthcare system. And it sucks. It's this whole COVID thing is, it's not just bad for the healthcare system. Well, I mean, if you're trying to do security on top of a crisis situation, it's really tough. So I think it's an important topic for today. Right. So we just want to say that we are taking all the precautions we can as a podcast. And as you can see, we're distancing ourselves and we're trying to be um, compliant with those recommendations. So. Yeah, we might even be more distant. I'm in our office podcast studio today, um, but we're actually setting something up in my home office. So in the future, not only are we going to be distanced like this, I might actually be staying at my home. So yeah, keep an eye out for that. It could be fun. Jen is going to be our host and our guest today. She's my co-host and a guest. So, I mean, and that's kind of weird, right? That's... yeah. With the crisis, I mean, we want to, you know, we want to get a third person, but we also want to limit everything. And she's like two in one. She's a host and she is a security expert. Jen, do you want to just start by giving us a little background into your security? Um, yeah. So I've been here at Security Metrics for, um, I'm going to get this wrong. Is it four years now? Is it? I don't know. I started in IT back in the 90s, and when I moved to security from IT operations, it was the best thing I ever did. I have more fun at this job. Um, love security. It's like uh, solving a new problem and getting to see new systems and new people every week, uh, remotely now. Um, but it's uh, I find it a lot of value in it as well, because um, the more virtual our world gets, the more potential there is for security issues. And uh, what I really like about what I get to do is um, talking to people who are not other security professionals, although I love them too. But a lot of the merchants, a lot of the um, practice managers, a lot of um, healthcare providers that also have to be security people, they don't. They are great at their jobs, but they they don't know computer security and expecting people to be. Um, security experts, it's unrealistic. So um, my favorite thing is to try to break it down so that it makes sense and it doesn't have to be super technical, but you can know enough to ask the people who are are putting the security in place for you the right questions to make sure if they're doing the right things or not or are aware of some some security concerns that might be um, specific to their industries. So, yeah, it's a a super... um, important job and and something that I enjoy a lot. So happy to be here. Right. That's awesome. So I think in some ways you're sort of like a translator for a lot of people. Um, And we just really need that, I think, right now. I think communication and miscommunication 
are just so crucial, especially where security and now we're talking about healthcare, you know, actual people's lives are concerned. Yeah. Um, so anyway, regarding healthcare and security, we can jump into that unless you have any other tidbits you'd like to share. Um, I mean, I got chickens last night. Can we talk about that before security? We can always talk about chickens. Megan, I got little chicks. I got like 12 little baby chicks last night, and they all survived the night. I was so happy. So some of us come to IT from different directions. Uh, My undergraduate degree was animal science. I was always a farm kid, but um, computers are awesome. So this is is my career path, but it's um, as much travel as I usually do for business, I I can't usually have creatures at home. And so now that, you know, at least for the foreseeable future, we're not doing that kind of travel for a while. I was super excited to get back to my roots and get some chickens. I'm looking for a milk goat too. So, you know, it, it it could, it could turn into a tiny little farm. I'll keep you posted on the chickies. Do you want to talk about HIPAA security though? Because I think that's why people actually are following this. Well, if we have to move on from chickens, then (laughs) I have a list of questions that awesome. I would love to get into, um, and I think our listen would be helpful for our listeners. So, first of all, let's start with the basics. What is HIPAA security? What does that even stand for? Oh, okay. So HIPAA security is a law that um, I'm not going to give you all the, the the gruesome details. We can get really deep into exactly how HIPAA happened and what what. Uh, all the the details are about I mean, maybe in a future podcast, but let's just kind of look at it high level right now. Um, HIPAA security that we look at, so HIPAA um, as a law, the parts that we care about are um, privacy, security, and breach. There's a lot of other stuff that have to do with HIPAA. Um, that it's a it's a pretty broad law, but as a security professional. I really have a narrow focus on HIPAA, and that's the privacy, security, and breach rules. So the privacy rules is like what you're allowed to do with people's personally identifiable information related to health. And that's called PHI, protected health information, is information under the law that is is protected by the law, okay? So... Um, the security rule is specific to electronic PHI, so ePHI. So we have privacy says how you're supposed to use the information or not use the information or disclose or not disclose the information, right, depending on different things. It's the privacy of people's health information. And then uh, and demographics related to their health information. The security rule is ePHI, electronic um, PHI has to be protected in different ways from the physical. Uh, and the reason is that electronic information is easier to scoop up and use and fraudulently um, in a lot of different ways than maybe the physical is. There's, there's, I don't know if maybe not easier is the right word, but there are um, technical security rules that are specific to electronic information. So that's what the security rule under HIPAA is about, protecting EPHI. Okay. That makes sense. Cool. So who has to comply with these? I'm assuming there are requirements related to the law and um, as far as the 
like entities that have to comply with them. Like, does that include? So in general, and we can also in a future time get really deep into it, but from a high level, we usually talk to covered entities, business associates, and health plans. A covered entity is um, anyone who does the actual treatment and sends electronic um, uh, billing information. There's specific electronic transactions that happen that... Um, make a, a covered entity a covered entity. And so these covered entities are the ones that that definitely have to apply, uh, comply with all of the privacy, security, and breach rules. Um, some of the rules are specific to business associates, but in general, um, covered entities need to assume that all of the uh, privacy, security, and breach rules apply to them. And then there's the business associate. That's what I just talked about. They're like, um, they're like service providers, like people um, and companies that, that help out the covered entity in a way that means they're going to interact with EPHI. So covered entities have specific rules. Business associates also have specific rules, and those specific rules um, – are all about how they protect information and who they report to. So when, if there is a breach, for example, covered entities have to report in a certain way to certain people and certain organizations. And if there is uh, a breach by the business associate, they have to also respond and report in, in specific ways to specific people. So those are the two biggest groups that we deal with. Uh, as an as a company, health plans for sure have to to fall under this, um, but uh, we're going to talk a little bit less about them because they're they're pretty big and they have a lot of pretty good uh, lawyers and their own IT guys to help sort this out. Where maybe a practice manager or uh, a physician who's trying to make sure they comply with a HIPAA security rule, they might not have the resources that these other groups have. So that's kind of who our targeted audience is going to be today is some of the smaller groups who might outsource their IT, who might um, be doing a lot of the work themselves. So, Got it. So these are the everyday healthcare practices, doctors, right. any, any, any place that takes private information related to people and their health. Right. And then bills using certain trans, it's kind of, so that's the super nerdy part. And we don't have to get into that, but there's the way you send that information and you could like fraud could happen because of the way you send these transactions. That's a lot of the focus of, of this law. Um, so in, okay. in addition to doctors, uh, dentists, um, chiropractors, uh, massage therapists, there's a lot of groups that if they bill in a certain way, they could fall under HIPAA. Okay. Got it. So I think what is on a lot of these healthcare providers' mind right now um, with COVID-19 and coronavirus, um, in, in addition to taking over our lives in general, our personal lives, our working lives, yeah. it's affecting businesses. Um, but there's also that security aspect because many healthcare um entities have to be open. They have to be staffed. Yeah. They have to be running. They have to be able to get their information. Um, so is this crisis affecting the security of these places? Absolutely. And like you said, so the healthcare providers have to be open. They have to be 
helping people who need help. Um, but maybe their IT service providers are scaling back. Maybe they're not um, on site as much. So there's a lot of reasons why um, security might be more affected by this uh, COVID-19 than, um, than without it. Um, so one is lack of the security um, personnel on site or scaling back some of the bigger projects that they might have. And so that gives an opportunity for the vulnerabilities in systems to be exploited by, by the bad guys. So that's one way that this could be affecting them. Here's another. Um, phishing scams, uh, where you open a, um, an email and click on something that you shouldn't click on or, or open a, uh, an attachment. These, thing, these phishing scams usually prey on a sense of urgency or fear anyway. We're all under this COVID-19 thing, and, and there is so much anxiety about it. If you get an email that says um, martial law was instituted in the United States, Everybody's going to freak out because, you know, that's kind of a fear. That's kind of something that that is on people's mind. How is the government going to be treating it? So then all of a sudden our our fears and anxieties are amped up and we're like, well, I'm going to click on that and find out for sure what's going on mm-hmm. there. And then suddenly you're off, you know, into getting inform- or giving information or giving access to to a group through that phishing scam. So it's important to remember even though we're all anxious and this is something that's going to really trigger people, um, the, the understanding that we need to stop and think twice about situations where in the past we would just either go, oh, that's clearly fishing, or um, I, you don't have to know now about something that comes unsolicited yeah. into your inbox, right? Yeah. So, so that phishing scam is made worse because of this, because anxieties are higher. Yeah, and that one of the things I heard or saw circulating around and heard about was like the fake COVID nineteen map. Yes, yes. The well, so I, many people clicked on, and I know people. Yeah, um, I I heard friends who said they got like a virus from it on their computer. Yep, yep. That's that's for sure. And and the tricky thing about that coronavirus map is they actually use the real Johns Hopkins map uh, visuals, so it looked like the real thing. But it was uh, at a, an app that actually was, it took that and made a bad thing out of it and then um, allowed malware to get into people's systems. So, wow. so, so people are like, well, then how do I get the information if I, don't, if I can't go get it um, you know, and I can't trust anything? Here's how the, you can still get the information but kind of reduce some of the um, – potential vulnerabilities, reduce the risk around around that. And that is, all right, you want the Johns Hopkins coronavirus map? Go to the Johns Hopkins website. Go directly to the source of the truth first and then search from there. So so find these things from in a more direct path where you know that the website is good rather than g- getting a third-party um, app or, or some third-party website giving you information like this. Okay. That's a good tip. Yeah. Um, so this is kind of a lot for the healthcare system Yeah. in the security space alone. Um, do you know of any other situations like we'd want to be aware of, um, as I mean, most of us are patients ourselves, sure. um, or know someone who works in healthcare. Right. 
well, how, what should we look for in the, for as far as security is concerned? So one of the really cool things right now is that telehealth has been around and it has gotten started. There are a lot of places. Oh, and telehealth is like, um, I think it's a weird name for it personally because we don't <laughs> really use telephones anymore, but it's that theory. Like you are remote and you're finding out getting health uh, advice remotely. They're calling that telehealth. Okay. So if you um, want to be able to get uh, treatment, what they're saying now is don't go into the hospital. Don't go into your doctor if you think you have coronavirus, is, I think is the, the what I've been reading. They're saying, hey, there are these hotlines set up. You call there. You do some screening. You do some remote stuff first before they, they take those next steps. And in the past, that's been really, here's why it's dangerous. Um, anytime you can remotely access information, you automatically have a, a higher risk than if you're doing something in person, right? Because if you can, from your computer, log in somewhere and get to information about yourself on a database, depending mm-hmm. on, on the protections between you and that database, somebody else could do that too from a completely different country who has not your name, who's like is not even related to you. They can be like, oh, I think I could figure out what her credentials are, and I'm going to log in and get that information. And then there's a lot of fraud. We can talk about the the details of what types of fraud people use, um, but but there's a lot of it. Um, yeah. So, so that's I've why. Heard, yeah, I've heard you talk about that before. And so we're social distancing. Mm-hmm. Many people have to quarantine themselves, and if they're saying like kind of stay away, like if you're sick and you can't, and you also are trying to avoid the telehealth, then yeah. what? So a lot of groups know that they don't have a lot of security in place to handle this right now, but they're but they're being told to do it anyway. And fortunately, um, the Office of Civil Rights at uh, the Department of Hum- Health and Human Services, here's how we abbreviate that because that's a mouthful, OCR at mm-hmm. HHS. OCR is the enforcement arm of HHS for HIPAA security. Does that make sense? Oh. So the OCR released an email about this um, just recently. When was it? I've got it on my laptop. Hang on a second. Okay, so March 17th, which was yesterday from us taping. I don't know when you're listening to this or or watching it, but um, the email I got is from yesterday, my time. Now we're all time travelers. So, <laughs> and it was about empowering medical providers to serve patients remotely. And it's called the... <clears throat> Notification of Enforcement Discretion for Telehealth Remote Communications During the COVID-19 Nationwide Public Health Emergency. I love how they name their stuff. It sounds so official. <laughs> so they're, they're like, okay, look, we're going to exercise dis- enforcement discretion. In other words, they're not going to immediately go after people and find them if during this time of crisis they're doing telehealth and information gets out and then... Um, uh, you know, how, how do we normally go after a breach? So exercising discretion, though, does not mean they're going to be like, eh, free for all, anybody can do anything. Security still matters. And so they're going to give a little bit of advice in this email about um, 
how to use it. So a covered healthcare provider that wants to use audio or video communication technology uh, can use any non-public facing remote communication product that is available to communicate with patients. So what does that mean? So non-public facing, I had to read this a few times because non-public facing probably means a little different something to a security professional than it does to, I think, what they're talking about. So in order to not get that confused, let's read through it a little bit because public facing to a security professional just means if you can go somewhere on the internet and log into it, that's public facing, right? But they're using it in a slightly different way. They're saying, um, and they give examples under this notice, covered healthcare providers may use popular applications that allow for video chats, including Apple FaceTime, Facebook Messenger video chat, Google Hangouts video, or Skype. It's pretty wild that they're actually naming specific applications, I got to say, to provide telehealth without risk that OCR might seek to impose a penalty for noncompliance. So in other words, look, it's a good faith provision. We get that these are not entirely secure. We get that there are vulnerabilities. But here's a list of things that we know about that you could probably use, and we're all going to try and get through this together. This does not mean just go willy-nilly and just try to be, like, um, uh, insecure. So um, providers are encouraged to notify patients that these third-party applications potentially introduce privacy risks, and providers should enable all available encryption and privacy modes when using such applications. So does that, I mean, does that make sense? Like, So... Like entities that are going to use these third parties, like what are your, can you boil down like your best advice for them during this time? Yeah. So don't just start it up and use it. Poke around Uh a little bit. And if you have an IT person on staff or that you can call, ask them to go through the settings with you because there's always configuration settings that, that, well, not, shouldn't say always, but... Usually there's configuration settings that allow you to increase some security and and have a little more um, uh, privacy definitions around what you're using. So at at least look at that before you start using these third-party things. Um, Now we know that there are some things that are just really not secure out of the box, and they name those in here too, which is, again, pretty wild. Under this notice, however, Facebook Live, Twitch, TikTok, and similar video communication applications are public-facing and should not be used in this provision of telehealth covered by healthcare providers, or by covered healthcare providers. So, um, they, they named some specific things that we know have some vulnerabilities that we know are, are not going to be the best choice. Mm-hmm. And the nice thing is that the whole list that they just did of things that you can use, those are free. You can, there are free versions of things. So it, it takes and allows communication without a a strong added burden of, um, application costs. Right. But, don't add your doctor on TikTok. Yeah. (laughs) Do not add your doctor on TikTok. That's a, that would be wild. Okay. So, um, here's the, here's the, the, the real juicy part is, and what I would say, try and do this if possible. Covered healthcare providers that seek additional privacy protections for telehealth, 
as should be everybody, while using video communication products, should provide such services through technology vendors that are HIPAA compliant and will enter into HIPAA business associate agreements in connection with the provision of their video communication products. So that was kind of a dry sentence. And what they're saying is there's companies out there that really work towards HIPAA compliance, that they get third parties in to assess their their applications to make sure that they can be as secure as possible and are willing to enter into business associate agreements, which is important because it means they're going that extra step of we recognize and take seriously your the privacy concerns that you have, and we're going to make every effort to, to help with that. The list below includes some vendors that represent that they provide HIPAA-compliant video communication products and that they will enter into a HIPAA, B-A-A. So you know what the, my favorite word there was in that sentence? was rep- yeah. represent. Because HHS, OCR, is not going to say, hey, these guys are good. They're going to say, hey, these are the ones that say they're good. Mm-hmm. Hopefully they are. Skype. So you mentioned another. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Oh, sorry. You mentioned another acronym, B A A. Oh, sorry. Yes. So a business associate needs to enter into a business associate agreement with a covered entity. So a okay. B A is a business associate, and a B A A is a business associate agreement. Does that okay. Makes sense. It's like a third party contract type. Yeah. 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 Yeah, totally. Third party contract saying, hey, we too will keep um, uh, EPHI private. So here's that list of of groups that say publicly that they are HIPAA compliant and that they are are willing to enter into a BAA. And that is Skype for Business, UpDocs, VC, Zoom for Healthcare, Doxy.me, and Google G Suite Hangouts Meet. So... Um, and then and they go on to say, hey, OCR has not evaluated these. Again, this is mm-hmm. you know self-evaluation. This is the list that we found in these times of crisis. We're going to give you a helping hand by actually naming applications we think you should try. So um, uh, that's how the, the uh, OCR, HHS are, are trying to help out with the telehealth um, problem. Okay. Wow. Well, that is a lot to take in. But it does help alleviate fears, I think, and also help us all keep security in mind still, even if you're in a rush or panicked. Yeah. Um, you know, we can still be as secure as, as we can, and we can all just work together, keep working together and get through this. So right. um, this seems like a good place to end okay. if it is for you. Unless Absolutely. you have anything else you want to add, make sure our listeners hear at this time. Um, uh, no, I think we're going to try and put out some pretty regular podcasts that, that should help people, uh, not just about security in, in the healthcare world, but um, for PCI. Um, uh, we do uh, have a lot of experience with CIS and NIST, uh, various um, assessments, compl- uh, standards, and uh, um, regulations, different things. So uh, hopefully okay. that'll be valuable to people who are looking for information. Yeah, I think this will be great. And before we go, if our listeners do want to know any more about you personally or about HIPAA security, um, where should they go? Okay, so I'm on LinkedIn 
and Instagram. I do a lot of uh, original content there, and I link to the Security Metrics blog and original content. So we put a lot of, a lot of free information regarding security. Um, you could find me on LinkedIn, uh, Jen Stone. Uh, there's probably several of us, but uh, I, I'm the one in the black and white picture. I don't know if that helps. Anyway, search, try and find me. And okay. then... Those, yeah. Uh, what else? Oh, we could probably also put it in the yeah in in the podcast notes. We also put out um, a HIPAA compliance guide that I was a strong part of. Um, do you have one of those with you right now? Hey, I have a producer here that can maybe hand me our HIPAA <laughs> compliance guide. Um, thank you, Hunter. <laughs> we have this guide. Thank you, sir. Super. I'm gonna hold it up here. You can get this downloaded as a PDF off of Security Metrics site. I am super proud of this because I helped create this. So um, mm-hmm. it's like 270 pages or something. A uh, lot of good information on HIPAA compliance, privacy, security, and breach rules are in here. So awesome. So is that free? Is the download free or is it, does it cost? The download is free. It costs something to buy the actual book. Um, okay. But, but free download, and we'll link that as yeah. well in our notes. The de- um, but the book, it- oh, the book itself is fifty nine ninety nine. It's a great book, though. You should get it. Right. No, but get the get the download. Go to a, go to uh, securitymetrics.com and you can find it there. Okay. Well, I think that's it for tonight. Um, from Jen and from me, Megan. This has been the Security Slopes, and we will see you next time. Bye. Thanks for listening. To learn more about all things security and compliance, head to securitymetrics.com. If you prefer to watch the podcast, go to securitymetrics.com slash podcast or search for us on YouTube. See you on the slopes.